I gather power is coming back little by little to most of you, so um, you don't smell too bad, you know. <laughs> I was thinking of using some extra incense just to get rid of the, the bad odors that might be in the church today, but it's uh, good to see you all. Um, you know, I come from a family of uh, six children, and uh, it was kind of three-story house, so in the evening the cry would go up the steps, dinner! And, you know, we didn't have computer games or anything in those days, as you can imagine. Um, but some, sometimes we'd be a bit slow to come down. We'd just be busy with whatever it is we were doing. Even good things like homework. Dinner! Still, you know, wouldn't come down. Until sooner or later, either I'd be sent up, being the oldest brother, or my dad would come. I said, look, will you stop what you're doing and come down right now? You know, sometimes we had to be told that. Or it would be the same as the rosary, you know, the rosary, rosary, you know, come on, down. We can be a bit slow to listen, can't we? We can find excuses for pretending not to hear. You know, my dad, very good man, worked hard, and when he came home, he would kind of, in the evening, would sit down and read his newspaper, and he would turn his hearing aid off. So he'd be there reading the newspaper. And I remember one evening, my mother and I were in the kitchen, and no dishwasher, of course, and so she was struggling a little bit. And they never called each other by their Christian names. I never heard them use their Christian names. So it was, Dada! Dada! So I said to my mother, let's just start talking about him. So we started talking about him, and it was, what's that, what's that? Switch your hearing aid on if you want to listen. <laughs> I could tell you another story, but I'll save that for another day. And here we are, right back after Christmas, still in the light of the Epiphany. We have our Christmas nativity scene still in the church. We begin a new cycle of readings, and you couldn't come last week, and uh, it's not even Lent, and you come back today and you hear a message, repent. Actually, Jonah doesn't even preach repentance. He just preaches a threat the shortest prophetic oracle in the Bible. Your city's going to be destroyed, and you've got 40 days. Not that that will be averted, it's just going to happen. And these Gentile people, we are told, believed God. They proclaimed a fast, and all of them, great and small, did penance, turning from their evil way. And we're not told what the evil way was. And God repented, relented of the disaster he said he would do to them. These Gentile Ninevites are given to us as an example of the kind of immediate repentance, immediate response that is appropriate when we hear the word of God. They manifest a humility that is lacking even among the Israelites at times. The responsorial psalm speaks today of the compassion of the Lord who shows sinners the way. Those who acknowledge, I'm a sinner, right? the Lord will show him, that person the way. Who guides the humble to justice and teaches the humble his way. It is the humble who are willing to listen to God's voice and be instructed. Pride plugs our ears. I mean, the alternative these days to switching off hearing aids is the young more but not so much the young, now the older two, have earbuds constantly in their ears, you know, which is saying, you know, I don't want to hear what's going on out there, and I don't, I'm not ready to listen to you. 
That's equivalent to the pride plugging their ears. The proud cannot receive the message to repent and turn toward God because they don't believe they need to repent. The first words of Jesus in Mark's gospel are those we have heard just now. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. How quick will we be, how prompt will we be to respond to that call that we have heard today? In fact, the proud would ask, why do I need to repent? Jesus isn't threatening uh, destruction or misfortune in this life. No oracle came to tell us, you know, you're going to get an ice storm in a week's time unless you repent. No, it just happened, and we, we're not aware that that had, has any eternal consequences. But repentance is necessary not simply to avert threats of disaster, but it's necessary that we reform our lives because, as we have heard today, the time is fulfilled. What time might that be? The time of the kingdom. The time of Jesus according to the plan foreordained by God. The end of time. Time is being fulfilled. It's coming to an end. It's completion. The kingdom of God is at hand. His rule as king. And really, do you want to be a citizen of that kingdom? If so, our Lord tells us what you must do. Repent and believe in the gospel. The time is fulfilled because you and I are now called to already live the eternal life. That eternal life began for us when we received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is the baptism that Jesus gives us. And it is without end. An eternal life that is now. Uh, You know, in in the liturgy we should experience this particularly because The whole life of the Blessed Trinity is is a divine intimacy and communion of life. And that Blessed Trinity has has descended in the person of Jesus Christ, taking flesh, and comes to us in this Mass. There's a, there's a, a divine eruption, if you like, into time when we come to the sacred liturgy so that we might rise, that God descends so that we might ascend You hear every time you're at Mass, before the canon of Mass, before the Eucharistic prayer, the priest exhort you, lift up your hearts. We're called upwards. We go up to the altar. The priest goes up to the altar. We now have candles. People have noticed we've got candles which are higher. It's to lift us up, to raise us up to heaven. But we need, that's what the that's what the repentance and, and belief in the gospel is all about, to live already now in the eternal life. And if we don't repent and believe, well, we go to Jesus' final words in Mark. We heard his first words today. We, now let's hear his final words. After rebuking the eleven apostles for their unbelief and their hardness of heart, he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. So these are the bookends of Mark's gospel. Repent and believe in the gospel. Then baptize all nations. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. That's the bookends of Mark's gospel. That's what's at stake. And what does that mean, those who will be condemned? Well, they'll be condemned for all eternity. And we call that state and place hell. 
You know, the more perfect motive for repentance is obviously perfect contrition out of love for God, uh, whom we have offended and who's so deserving of all our love. But the fear of hell, I think, is also necessary. You know, I go to confession, I hope I go because I'm sorry that I've offended God, who is all-deserving of all my love. But I do also go because I'm afraid of going to hell. I do not want to go to hell. And that's why I go to confession, ultimately. If hell does not exist, or if no one is condemned to hell, then there is no need to proclaim a gospel of repentance. The, the gospel then becomes nothing more than a therapeutic message to help us live life to the full, to find our true authentic selves, whatever that might be, and temporal happiness. In fact, the whole concept of eternal life would seem to lose its meaning if there was not that reality. Rather, as St. Paul teaches us today, time is running out. The world in its present form is passing away. And so we are to live already as we would in eternity, those who are married as if they were not. Because you, as, you, as you know, Jesus, Jesus taught there is no marriage in heaven. Those who are buying as not owning, those who use the world as if, as if not using it. Not letting even the good things of the earth come between us and God. And we see the immediate response of Simon and Andrew and of James and John to this message and to their call. Were the apostles married? We don't know. St. Peter, we know, was married because he had a mother-in-law. We know that. But once St. Peter followed Jesus, he lived, as St. Paul says, having a wife but acting as not having one. He was the one who asked the question, what about us who have left father, mother, brother, sisters, mother, all that? What about us? Left everything. And so the, the apostles embraced continence for the sake of the kingdom, celibacy for the sake of the kingdom. That is a particular charism of the, of the Roman church in her priests particularly, and also in other religious as well. These men are going to be the fishers of men, which is a reference to the 16th chapter of the prophet Jeremiah, where God would send fishermen and, and hunters, humble men, to hunt down the rebellious Israelites who defied his words. Only now these fishermen are being sent out as hunters to recover God's people Israel, as well as all the nations. And you and I too are called to live this eternal life even now on earth, conscious of the kingdom of God being present as Jesus is present in his church, in the Blessed Sacrament, raising us up even now to the divine life in this sacred liturgy. What is Jesus calling you to abandon in order to follow him? For some, maybe the, the younger ones here should think about whether he's calling them to give up the prospect of jobs, careers, and all that success, and embrace the priesthood or the religious life. Or maybe you need to drop that hobby or obsession that dominates your thoughts and affections and keeps you from prayer and from loving, loving others. Perhaps you do have earbuds in your ears all the time, you, which you need to remove. Perhaps you're addicted to YouTube and you need to break that, that habit. You know, social media, whatever it is. 
or you need to end a relationship that isn't leading you towards Christ. Let us ask for the grace of humility to recognize how we have resisted God's will and word, how we have been sinful, so that we may abandon that sin and reaffirm Jesus as our king and enter his kingdom, which is at hand, which is here, which is now, and which is to come. And we ask Our Lady's intercession as our perpetual help so that we may let God's word be truly fulfilled in our lives.